You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. to mini episode six of the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. And as you may know, if you've been listening, we've been doing these mini episodes so I can dig in a little bit further on the tenets of the book, Interning 101. And to get there, we've been going through my background, which people do seem to want to hear about. It feels weird to talk about myself, but we're almost caught up, which I'm really excited about because there's so many current things I want to talk about. And I know I said in the last episode that we would be talking about the launch of my new entertainment firm, Collective Entertainment. Um, But I wanted to go a little bit deeper into our sports division at Whitesmith Entertainment and how that evolved into Collective Entertainment because I realized I talked about music and comedy in the last episode. So Whitesmith Entertainment was chugging along, launched in 2008. Uh, My name was on the cover of Billboard in 2012. Um, So that was a good four or five years of just, I mean, music had been my life before that, but just really living and breathing management and the company and the music side of the company. And I should start by saying my parents are swimming coaches. My grandfather is a legendary swim coach and I was on a swimming scholarship. That's how I, I paid for school. I worked my butt off um, to be able to go to Northeastern and be a part of their awesome music industry program. So I've always had this wealth of knowledge about the sport of swimming just sitting in the back of my brain. Like I would be on tour buses in Europe in my 20s and like sports or even swimming would come up and I'd be like, I did that. People would be like, what? Um, And I'm like, yeah, that was my life. That was my identity for a long time. So although my life in my 20s was all music, all music industry all the time, like I said, it was like uh, the swimming knowledge in the back of my brain was like speaking French or something. It was just something I could bust out here and there. And I'd always had ideas for swimmers on, frankly, how to make them cool, how to expand their name recognition beyond the two weeks before, two weeks after the Olympics. And there was a a swimmer named Anthony Irvin who won a gold medal when he was 19, which was pretty young for a guy, at uh, at the 2000 Sydney Games, and then reemerged in 2012 and made the Olympic team, made the U.S. Olympic swim team. Now, that is insane. I mean, I think that would be insane to most people um, taking a decade off uh, from guitar or anything, let alone being the best in the world at anything. But just to put this in perspective, virtually any of the swimmers you've ever heard of compete until they get knocked out. Making the U.S. Olympic swim team is the hardest sports team in the world to make, I would debate anyone on that at any time. We are the best swimming country in the world. And we take two people in each event once every four years to our big competition. So we don't have a Super Bowl every year or an NBA finals or anything like that. Um, Obviously, World Cup is every four years. um, But like I said, in our world, um, the Olympics happen once every four years. And you could be the third best in the world 
And if the two people in front of you are also American, you don't get a shot. And, and actually, it, it's not even, I'm not even explaining this very well. It's not even based on world rankings. It's based on the Olympic trials. So I've, <laughs> I've gotten to know some Olympians uh, where I could ask a question like this. But, you know, I used to be like, what if you have cramps? What, if, you know, like menstrual cramps or whatever. I asked a, a female Olympian that once and she's like, you just, you just don't think about it too bad, which is a good answer. So yeah, so basically Olympic trials, you got to be on on that day. You could be the world record holder. If you get third or fourth or whatever, it doesn't matter, except for in the relay events, but I don't want to be confusing. So anyway, long story short, nobody takes 10 years off from anything, let alone a sport, let alone a sport as competitive as swimming is in the United States. So Anthony Irvin reemerged in the sport in 2012. Um, made the Olympic team, had these sleeve tattoos, great taste in music. There was a Rolling Stone feature. And I was really impressed with that because I had never seen a swimmer featured in Rolling Stone with like a legitimately cool photo shoot and this intellectual, intriguing story. So I had our team at Whitesmith watch trials, watch Olympic trials just on the computer. And they all got super into it. And then following the Olympic games where Anthony got fifth in the 50 free, um, where I would usually never say this about an elite athlete ever. Um, but he really did not have a a very good start. Uh, I, I, I preface that by saying like, like I could do, like any of us could do better, but it is the 50 free. It is like a 22nd race. You can't screw anything up. He like actually leaned back on his start. It was a really long hold. And if you watch it, it's, it's kind of insane how far behind he is. So the fact that he got fifth was amazing. I, uh, I've never said this publicly, but if he would have gotten a medal, I don't think I would be working with him. I think he would have been snatched up uh, by a large agency, and I hope they would have taken great care of him. But I was like, fifth? We can work with that. My swimming brain was also like, the guy's been training like 11 months. He, you know, it, it wasn't even like, oh, wow, he got fifth in the world. As far as the start goes, I was like, he just needs to get a few more meets under his belt. He needs some more preparation. He needs to get back in the habit of being an elite swimmer. And uh, so following the Olympics, probably I, the Olympics were still going on. Anthony was still in London, but the swimming portion was done. I wrote a really thoughtful email into his web form on his website And I said, this is me and my company. This is my background in the sport. I have no idea if you have representation, but I'd love to set up a call or a meeting if you're interested in talking. And Anthony wrote back the next day from London and he said, you had me at the word Odyssey. I'll be in New York in a few weeks. I'd love to sit down. So we did. And he accepted me managing him at that meeting, which was amazing. And I just dug in. I've always managed Anthony like a band, because that's what I know how to do. So, you know, like being on top of social media and live streams, taking care of the fans, setting up a merch store, running a crowdfunding campaign to get him on his World Cup circuit. All the solutions I've applied to artists over the years were really fun to apply it to the rock star of Olympic swimming. So working with Anthony has been incredibly special. It's, it's interesting, like I get like, I mean, I'm, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but just joyful like telling you that story. And then I'm like, oh, by the way. And then in 2016, he won the 50 free, becoming Olympic champion once again, having 16 years in between Olympic medals. And that was, people ask me all the time, like, what's your favorite thing you've done or whatever? And I don't usually have an answer, honestly. 
but that was pretty freaking cool um, to be in Rio with Anthony's family and friends. And it was, it was such a great meet. He was swimming awesome. He got faster through pre- the preliminary semifinals, finals. And I remember saying to his brother that afternoon in between or before the Olympic final, I said, I just feel good. Like I feel good in my mind and my body, really in my body. I'm not going to let my mind articulate that. I I let my mind articulate it a little bit. Um, I was like, I think he's got a great shot at the American record and I think he's going to win a medal. So we're watching the race and it's interesting because as a swimmer myself, I could do pretty much everything except for breaststroke, which is kind of normal. Sometimes breaststrokers can just do breaststroke and not everything else. But as far as the everything goes, I would say the 50 free is also something I never really had a grasp on. But through working with Anthony, you know, from 2012 to 2016, he had been national champion in 2014. He won a silver medal at Panpax in Australia. I was there for that. So I've, I've watched all these elite 50 frees. And my point is, I, I think I've gotten pretty good at, at watching 50s, which my point is, like, they happen really fast. So it's kind of hard to know what's going on sometimes. So Anthony is swimming as 50 free at the Olympics. And it did cross my mind in those 20 seconds. I think he's winning. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. And when he touched the wall, I've been, again, I've been to so many of his meets. Like, I swear in that arena of however many tens of thousands of people, my eye was the first on the scoreboard. I, like, I knew exactly, like, lane three, where to look. And I swear there was, like, a few tenths of a second when I knew and the people around me didn't know. But it was on an out breath. So I was... I don't know how I can do this on a podcast, but on an out breath, I just started hitting his friend, Evan, his college teammate, uh, saying he won, but I couldn't, the words weren't coming out cause I didn't have air. And then they, you know, everyone around me realized, and we're talking like, you know, Evan's like, uh, a, a paramedic for firefighters. We're, we're talking about like some over six foot gentlemen that suddenly it's like football celebration. I'm in the middle. It's getting a little violent. Um, but obviously just such a special, incredible moment uh, to be there for. So thank you, Anthony. That was so cool. And at that Team Olympics, I met uh, Anthony's coach, Coach David Marsh, who was the head U.S. Olympic women's swim coach. We had a great conversation at the Olympics about music. David and his family are all big music fans. And David called me after the Olympics. And to be honest, I thought he wanted an internship for his daughter because he told me that she wanted to get into the music industry but didn't know how. And instead, uh, Coach Marsh asked me to represent him. And I thought about it and came back to him and said, I'm not saying yes because you've won all these NCAA team titles. You put more athletes on the U S team than any other coach. You led the team to the most medals in U S Olympic history. I'm saying yes. Cause I think you're really brilliant and creative and we can do some amazing things together. So that's exactly uh, why I said yes. And started working with coach David Marsh and his amazing team, team elite. 
shortly after 2016. And I think right before that, uh, Olympic gold medalist Caitlin Sanano had asked me to work with her. I got to know her a little bit at the Olympic trials in Omaha in 2016, where she was the on-deck host for like the eight nights of trials or however long that meet is. And it was just amazing. Um, really has just such talent for hosting and broadcasting. And as a four-time Olympic medalist, Olympic gold medalist, and two-time Olympian, uh, has the cred to back it up. So I really liked the challenge of working with a retired Olympian. And I love, Caitlin and I are about the same age. I loved, I loved her growing up, you know? She made the Olympics when she, she made her first Olympics when she was 17. And it was like, who's this fun, cute girl? How can you not uh, support her? She made the Olympics in whether you know anything about swimming or not, the 800 free, the 400 free, the 400 IM, the 800 free relay, and the 200 butterfly. So basically what people would consider all the hardest events, Caitlin dominated. And she is just a dream client, a joy to work with, uh, works her butt off, is totally open to ideas. Um, so that's really cool. And I, so those are my three sports clients. I like that they all do different things. One's an active athlete, one's a retired athlete, one is a coach. Uh, That helps me to be really creative and mix things up. But at the same time, if an opportunity comes up, you know, for one of them, they're all capable of doing a speaking engagement or leading a clinic or something like that. So it's all interchangeable within the swim community when, when necessary, but I can also focus on their specific goals and needs as well. So I may have mentioned in the last episode that, People would say to me, oh, I know. I talked about how people would say how forward thinking it was to do comedy. Well, once I launched a sports division, oh my gosh, so many people were like, I've always wanted, you know, so many other managers were like, I've always wanted to have a sports division. And in reality, you know, when a tennis player writes to me and wants me to manage their career, I have to tell them, uh, I don't know anything about your sport. (laughs) So because I grew up uh, on pool decks, you know, daughter, granddaughter of coaches, uh, all like literally doing homework in the coach's room, managing, ma- managing people, managing swim talent is perfect. And especially on the athlete, I mean, definitely the coach end, cause that's my family, but on the athlete end, uh, I didn't compete at the level that Anthony does, but I can still empathize with the training and what goes into it or point out to him, you know, when an opportunity comes up, I, I have, I've been, the business person has been the one to be like, uh, that's like prime training time. I mean, it's always kind of prime training time in swimming, but some some parts of the season are you know more than others. So, so that's how I got you know got my start in you know running a sports division. And if anything, you know, besides all the amazing things I just said and and working with these incredible athletes, I'm really proud that I think it inspired other people on our team. Like Melissa Garcia, now business partner at Collective Entertainment, was an intern at Whitesmith in 2012. And, you know, her and we had this awesome intern, Lauren from France, shout out. She saw me on TV at the Olympics, actually, because France broadcasted like the whole thing with the friends and family afterwards. But anyway, they watched me reach into the computer screen to Anthony Irvin and pull that out as a client where like Melissa went from cheering from him to joking a few months later, like, oh, I'm so sick of... Uh, fulfilling Anthony Irvin's crowdfunding campaign or whatever. So yeah, just don't be afraid to reach, you know, that's what's so cool, right? Like, I don't know how how I would have done that in the 90s. I would have figured it out. Swimming is a small enough community. I I could have gotten to him, but 
yeah, just emailed into Anthony Urban's web forum and, and he became my first sports client a few weeks later. So really amazing. And that leads us to collective entertainment. Yay. So I talked about in the last mini episode how Carrie Smith left management and that's life. It's a bummer, but it's life and we're good. But while she was going off and exploring other things, I'm the same. I mean, I'm not, right? Like humans evolve. I know that better than anyone, but I'm still managing artists, managing athletes, working in music, being an entrepreneur, doing all this stuff. So I partnered with Katrina Blackley and Melissa Garcia, who were protégés at Whitesmith and now at the level of business partner, which is super exciting. And I told them on one hand, I want collective entertainment to be whatever you want. On the other, we're just moving our music and sports divisions over. So we launched in February of 2018, which seems crazy because things are going so well. It seems crazy, but not that things are going well, because like I said, it it is technically a new company and it definitely is from a branding perspective and things like that, but but it's not. You know, we already had clients, we already had a team, we were ready to go. So I'm really proud of what Collective Entertainment has accomplished. And, And as I mentioned, as far as like, I mean, not to sound arrogant, being inspiring, Uh, Melissa is now managing a skydiving team for collective entertainment. And I know they did well at world championships. I think they had a big national competition in San Diego this week. I don't know if that would have happened if she didn't see me reach out and start managing Anthony Urban. Uh, Melissa and I are, you know, Melissa and I both studied, you know, music business in school, but I think she watched me take one of my passions and turn it into a job. Uh, I was going to say like, that's not always the best idea to do. Cause like I have a lot of ideas for yoga and it's nice to keep things outside of work, but who are we kidding? I'm definitely going to execute on my entrepreneurial yoga ideas someday. So super proud of the launch of collective entertainment. Um, it feels really good for me in particular because I, I'm housing all my entrepreneurial work in one place. So I voted this book, this podcast, my, my music management clients, sports manage, management clients, consulting, that's all through Collective Entertainment. So that's very exciting. So that brings us up to now. I'm super pumped about that. Um, thanks for listening to my backstory. Like I said, it feels weird to talk about myself, but uh, I reference certain things from my past throughout this podcast. So I thought that would be good for you to have. And we're going to wrap this mini, mini episode right now, but on the next mini episode, uh, we're going to really dig into tenets of the book. The beginning of the book is kind of my story and my journey. So that, that's what we talked about. Uh, but let's just, let's just get into it on the next mini episode. Uh, we're going to talk about internships and money. Uh, internships are a controversial topic for those of you that don't know. For those of you that do know, you know. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about internships and money on the next mini episode. So thanks so much for listening. I'm really glad we're caught up on my story. (laughs) We can talk about, I mean, not that it's not relevant, but to me, I feel like we can talk about relevant things as we continue to go through the book and talk about important topics that come up. So thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at at EMWizzle. 
hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.